0: Friends, Chris Sotter, Lead Pastor at Neighborhood Church. We work hard at creating content every week that is life-giving and inspiring for people to live a full life. So we're inviting people who find this stream to be life-giving and encouraging to consider becoming a sustaining member at Neighborhood Church. That could be a one-time gift or to subscribe monthly. And you can do that at neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Thank you, friends, and enjoy the message. I am continuing our series about uh, who neighborhood is as we um, start talking about um, reopening in-person services. It, it comes with um, what I found with a, a lot of questions or feelings or emotions, some certainty, uncertainty. And I thought it'd just be a good time to like, like if we could take three big buckets about who neighborhood is and we're so much more than these three things, but kind of touches a lot of things. Um, the first one we talked about last week was how um, we're Christ centered and we believe that we um, Uh, Not just that we behave and move as the Christ, but we um, fundamentally believe in John. It says in him, um, all things are made, right? Is that in every single molecule, in every place we go, the Christ is at the deepest part of that existence. Not some darkness or evil or original sin. At the center is life and life to the full. If that's true, then everywhere we go, we can be in session. We can learn. All things can be our teacher because... Um, that's what it means to have the Christ. So you can go back and listen to it if you like. Today we're talking about uh, junior high, right? We all want to be included. We all want to belong in some way. It is um, deep down inside of us. Like um, I, I, it regards to your extrovert or introvert, it might look different ways. Uh, like I have some friends that watch MMA. And I always want to be included. I'm like, hey, you guys should invite me. So they always invite me. And they're like, hey, we're going to invite you. Um, just like, We know that like two hours before it starts, you're going to text us and say that you can't come. I'm like, yeah, you know me really well. This is, that is exactly what's going to happen. But I love the invite because it makes me feel like I'm somehow belonging, right? And there's no place where this plays out more in the, the most pure, raw form than when you were in uh, junior high, right? Like, I put on my social media, what are the things that you did or you said or you had that made you feel like really cool in junior high? And there was a lot of hairspray, a lot of hairspray. My favorite was uh, Michael Cockett, who um, said he went to some like clearance store or some discount store and got um, Jerbo jeans. You guys remember Jerbo's? And then he came back and wore them and found out that they were like, all of a sudden they weren't in anymore. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how devastated he was, right, um, and then, hey, Biz, your, your, your dad put down, um, Steve put down of, like, he goes, when I was in junior high, we put a red bandana around our knee, I don't know why, I can tell you, you were in a gang, <laughs> you, you, didn't, you didn't know it, they're like, here we go, uh, right, uh, but, like, th- th- it plays out, like, I get the sub at my, um, at my local school because I needed some more subs and I I love it. I was an old youth pastor so I know how to work a room of like seventh and eighth graders. And for whatever reason, the uh, Greg Hexum, the principal, looked at me. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, you get the junior hires." <laughs> and I love it because junior hires like um, uh, the, the boys. I'll say this: the girls absolutely know what's going on. They show up, they do their work. They're like, "Let's let's get stuff done." And the boys are in the back like making animal noises. Like, Yeah, they, they, they like are picking their nose, they're talking, they they bring their tech decks, like the little, like little skateboards and they're doing all these tricks and I love it because it's just unfiltered, right? And like, because their um, brains are going a million miles per hour, uh, their bodies are changing, right? It's just, I, I love it. They are so great because I remember what it was like to me in junior high. I just wanted to fit in and I was that kid that was like, um, in the in the drama club math the mathletes knowledge uh the the art club i would i loved being in band Uh, i loved sports i wanted to learn how to skateboard i just i loved all of it because i desperately just wanted to belong i wanted to fit in and the way i viewed myself is that i didn't fit in right it wasn't because there was some people saying chris you're excluded all right because you have a weird haircut it's just my perception of like I said, my brain's firing all these neurons. I'm awakening to these new desires. <laughs> if I can make that even creepier, new desires, right? Um, and not everyone was um, a big fan of my desires. Like, I'd say um, all the girls. <laughs> For, example. For example, every girl in my school, not as big a fan as me, as I was of them. I'm like, that's fine. That's cool. That's um, cool. Yeah, it was me as me, right? And I just, I wanted to fit in. There's one, multiple things that I did to try fitting in. The one that stands out the most to me, I was at Mr. Rosen's class in geography. I'm all the way in the back and everyone's sitting down. And for whatever reason, I had to go to the front of the room. And I got up and I took like, I'm going to show you. I took like two steps. And in my second step, I realized that I was not walking cool. Like I had the, the uncoolest, lamest walk in my head so mid-stride i changed my walk but of course it's slowing because i'm trying to imagine like how mcgyver walks and if you don't know who mcgyver is then we can't be friends and so then i'm trying to like walk and i'm doing like the sauntering and i thought it was killing it right i thought i was nailing it And then dan jones was right next to me he goes chris are you okay what's wrong with you <laughs> like are you having a stroke in seventh grade right now chris and there's, there's just one example of how we will go out of our way to be included. And it wasn't until I found, I walked into this weird uh, church that had the word tabernacle in it. So you can could, you could tell I was really desperate. <laughs> and I walked in this youth group and I've shared the story hundreds of times. And it was there, this guy named Phil talked to me, included me, noticed me, not because of who my parents were, not because... I could skateboard not because I uh, was in sports or anything. It was just I showed up, and him and his team did everything they could to make me feel included and belong, and it um, it changed me. Like, And I still remember they gave you like this little um, – this little cutout and you got to go to the wall and you got to write your name on this wall and anyone who came and was a part of this youth group got to write their name on it. And there was like over a hundred different names. And I remember just thinking like, I am somehow in this initiation, a part of the sequence of the, I belong, all of us belong and we're all in different places. Right. And I, what I put on there was, um, Chris with a K is what, cause my name spells with a K and I thought that could be like my new nickname. Like I was even trying to have like a new brand and, And I still, after I wrote, I'm like, yeah, call me Chris with a K. And it did not stick, except with my chiropractor. He was like, hey, Chris with a K. And I'm like, I made a bad life decision. (laughs) Yeah, just the chiropractor, right? Um, And it was in that place of belonging. That's where I met uh, my partner. Nikki was my best friend. And then I met a bunch of other friends. And it was in that place where I knew I wanted to be a pastor. And the whole reason was, if I what I thought was a nobody, right? I was just some kid with bad haircut and freckles. Um, I showed up and I felt that accepted my first day. Like I knew at a young age I wanted to, I didn't have the verbiage then or language, but I wanted to include, I wanted to influence. I saw Phil and I went to school and my whole philosophy was, what if instead of one Phil, what if we had like 20 Phil's? What if we could have a whole team of, the whole point was to create an atmosphere, create a place of where you can be included. And the way we did that with students, it's not, it's not very complicated, right? Is the, the trick was I gave free monster energy drinks away to anyone who came. Yeah, I know. I was that youth pastor. Hi, because you want some energy? Who else has energy? Open up our bottles to John 3.16. <laughs> but the thing that we trained our team in to do um, was three things. Is every um, person who walked in that door got a safe, positive touch, right? Like a high five or knuckles. Uh, And the whole philosophy behind that was how many kids get some sort of physical, safe, positive um, touch from an adult or role model. Every kid gets looked in the eyes and every kid gets their name said to them. If we don't know their name, we ask them their name. Right. Uh, And the reason, again, is in school, outside of their parents and maybe even with their parents, um, how many kids get looked in the eyes and like affirmed by their name? right? How many kids get looked? And usually it's like, hey, you can't do this. Stop picking your nose. Stop making animal noises, right? No, you can't go to the bathroom. (laughs) Please stop stealing my car, whatever it is. Um, And it worked. Those three little things worked because um, A, kids, teenagers move like in packs and herds, but they also want to be a place of where they're valued and where they're seen and where they're accepted. Isn't that what we all want? Don't we all want to belong? Do we all want to be included? And I would say, if, if, like, if we asked a bunch of people, saying, do you consider yourself inclusive? I, almost everyone would say, of course. If you translate that to like spiritual communities, churches, of course churches, of course we're inclusive, and of course we're willing to include. Look at our sign. It says, um, everybody's welcome. Right? All are welcome. Until you start breaking down what all and welcome really mean. And even when it comes to individuals to say yes, I consider myself inclusive to include. I'm very, I'm very open. I'm very accepting. Uh, until you have to clarify what that means, or even you have to put it publicly, because we live in a world, uh, or a culture, I should say, that is very binary, and I, I don't think it's healthy, but it's true. Of where we believe multiple truths cannot exist at once. You, if you're for one thing, then you're automatically against the other, right? And it can go from um, like. If I say I love dogs and people are like, Oh, so you want to murder every single cat, right? Chris hates cats, Chris, the cat killer alliteration that it has different letters, but still counts, right? There's a lot of those. uh, If you're a Vikings fan, you must hate the Packers fan. And why is that true, (laughs) right? But if you take that and you elevate it to something even uh, more when it comes to cultural, when it comes to politics, when it comes to identity, right? when it comes to policies. And it can get dicey. Because you know if I speak out on this, another group is gonna hear that and they're gonna take it a totally different way. And then there's gonna be the people in the middle who's saying, I'm not gonna say anything because when it does, I'm gonna get these people trolling me. It's gonna, um, we, the word that I can't stand, right? Cancel culture, right? I'm gonna get canceled. But who says we have to live in that kind of world? Where, where was that handed down to us? of where if you are for something automatically with no context, it means you're already going to exclude the other. And the reality is kind of how it is. I'm going to share an example of, of um, something that has impacted me and our community. And I know a lot of you um, probably feel the, the tension in it and it's with um, law enforcement and black lives matter. We as a community and me as an individual, have been very committed that we are going to give voice to those who are marginalized or oppressed. Those who are not part of the dominant culture, that there's going to be a a place of where we're going to amplify their voices. Because we believe that is what, um, uh, that's a sacred thing, right? If, If one of us is hurting, then we're all hurting, right? So instead of turning blind eye, we're going to give voice, we're going to give power, we're going to give influence to it. And so we've had speakers come on. Um, and people of color, have been speakers, and come on. We have um, retweeted or posted other offers, authors highlighting different voices um, and what's happened. And I'm, I'm aware, I have, I'm a somewhat um, intellectual, right? I'm average at best. And I'm aware of when we say Black Lives Matter, I know in the back of my head, some people are gonna hear that and say, wow, Chris hates police officers. Because if you support this, culture said now you're against this and i know i'm seeing people who have posted in support of police officers and people saying wow then you must hate black people you must not care uh, about the black lives matter movement or those who are being oppressed and when i when i see that happening and i've had multiple conversations with people who are in law enforcement with friends or with family what i try telling them is like i of the individual law enforcement agents of the police officers. The people that I know are amazing people. They're amazing humans. I have no idea what it's like. I have no idea what it's like to um, choose every day to ha- be in a job, that I chose be in this job, to put on the shield, to put on uh, knowing that I could be impacted by violence or even death, right? And let's be honest, like the, the law enforcement agents I know are aware of how some people in the public um, view them, right? Like they, they are on social media, they listen to the news, right? And yet they still choose to be in a job where that's a reality. So in the same way of supporting police reform, right? Because it's the individual people, I, I believe, I, even one of them said, I, as a law enforcement agent, I'm not the one who make the policies. You voted for people in your city council, you voted for people in the state legislator and our senators and our congress people who enact the policies and how we show up as police officers, Right, he said, like I'm, I'm enforcing the things that the people you voted for did. And what I say to that is, yeah, the way we do policing, the policing is disproportionately impacting people of color and those in poverty, of the indigenous community. Right? It is. <laughs> every study has shown of when it comes to violence, when it when it comes to incarceration, when it comes to being shot, when it gets to pulling people over, disproportionately falls on them. But it's. People like me, right, who um, are white, um, policing, we don't see it. Because in dominant culture, it works great for us. A couple weeks ago with the Cloquet Police Department, my mom had her purse stolen and somehow I got involved. You know, I didn't do it. Or did I? (laughs) Right. I, I got involved and it was, it was, it was overwhelmingly positive. The police officers went out of the way to find my mom's phone in a ditch to go back and get her purse. It was so good. If something happened to me or my family, right? I would have no problem calling the police because I am not afraid, right? But that doesn't mean, what what so many people do then is they project that feeling and put that same idea on a different community, a different demographic where people people of color have been saying for generations and generations, the policing, right? The system of police is not working for us and they want reform. And as soon as you say we want reform, some people automatically hear that we want to fire all cops or we hate the police. And I, <laughs> what I have hope for is what it means to be an inclusive community, is that we can be a place of where we start out by hearing people's story. We start out by believing them that we are in relation to one another, that we can look at each single person and say, yes, even though we're at different starting points, we may have different values, um, uh, different truths, Right? Different places of how we approach this subject, how we approach theological, political, emotional, whatever it is, we can be at different places and still belong. But it's, it feels hard. Because in the same way that I believe there needs to be reform to the way policing is, right, and still being able to support uh, um, individual um, law enforcement, like, I think we need reform in education. Big time, the way we do schooling does not work for every single kid, right? And does that mean then I want education reform? Does that mean every single teacher and administrator is some horrible person we need to fire them? Absolutely not, absolutely not. But I have have, some of my best friends are in administration and teachers, and they too want reform. I want reform for healthcare that I I, I wanna have, uh, I don't have to, that someone wouldn't have to think about before they call an ambulance of saying, do I wanna go in debt for the next seven years? if I make this endless to be able to have that decision as you are in pain or you're in crisis, right? We should have easy, amazing um, access to healthcare for all people, not just people who have full-time jobs and make six figure salaries. I have friends who are in healthcare, right? Does that mean that everyone who is in healthcare poor, we got to burn it all to the ground? No, no. How about this one? I think we need a, a absolute oversight and overhaul of um, leaders in spiritual communities, right? That's me. That's my, that's my profession. When I tell people that I am a, uh, I'm a pastor, that very few people are like, oh, that's amazing. You know what most people say? They say, oh, man, I'm really sorry because they just told me a story about how they got drunk. Or they told me a story how they, they, how they smoked up. Or they swore. They, where they start is, I better apologize or I'm going to be excluded. Right? When you think of the, the word priest or you think of the word pastor, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I bet it's not positive. Why? How many pastors have victimized and taken advantage of the most vulnerable by using their power, by using their platform to have access to their bodies, to their money, and to their emotional well being? Right? How many people are victims and traumatized because there was no oversight, there's no accountability? So when people at- talk to me about that, what do I say? Yeah. I don't say, oh yeah, there's a few bad apples. I say, yeah, the the way that we do church, the way we have oversight doesn't work for everybody, right? And so what do I have to do? It starts with us, it starts with me, starts with our board of how transparent we are how transparent I am and how accountable I am. You see, like we can ask for reform, we can ask for things, we can be at different places and this is what it means to be an inclusive community. It's messy, it's complicated. It is way easier to exclude. I will not lie, way easier to exclude, to have policies that um, tell people they don't belong even before they walk in the door. You don't have to know their face, you don't have to know their name, you don't have to know the story. Just saying, oh, you want um, us to marry you or you maybe someday want to be a pastor? Mm, Should have tried harder because it (laughs) it saves that community from having to go into those waters and have those hard conversations, right? It'd be way easier just to, I mean, you can go from fundamentalism of very, very conservative of here's your 28 policies, these are our 16th truths. You can do the same thing in a liberal progressive community of where we can get really fundamental in saying, this is what it looks like to belong. This is what you have to view. This is how you have to see things. This is the words you have to use. And if we just continue to just exclude people saying, catch up to be like us, then we're no different. To be an inclusive community means that we are in relation with all things. It means we take a place, we stand by saying, I'm going to believe and listen and hear your story, even if it costs me something. Let's be honest. To be an inclusive person means it's going to cost you something. It's gonna cost you maybe some of your comfort. It's gonna cost you of, of what I once thought was safe or once I thought was true. Like you can't help be in relationship with people, to be in relation with things and not change and grow. But it's scary. Like the Bible. The Bible is this beautiful, evolving story and, and, and highlights ways of what truths and what was holy and was sacred and how those like absolutely changed. Acts chapter 10 is a great example of what it means to be inclusive and what it means to belong and how crazy and messy and complicated to be. There's this guy named... Um, Peter, not Paul, Acts chapter 10, Peter, he's in this town, he's hungry, he's waiting for the meal, and he falls into a trance, like we all do, <laughs> when we're waiting for the meal to get cooked. Oh, time for the meal, let me go into my trance, real quick. In this trance, God speaks to him, brings on the sheet, and there's all these animals, and God says, Peter, you're hungry, hey, go down, butcher some of those animals, get them up, right, I got the grill going, I got the bagos in the back, right, I got a couple sodies, couple of walking sodas for us in the cooler. Let's go, Peter. Let's go. Let's get some. And Peter looks at the animals, and he, you know, he's the first pope, right? And he says, oh, God, oh, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I cannot, nor will I ever compromise my sacred self, my sacred being, Father, for those animals are not clean. I will never do that, right? And God's like, hey, Peter, um... You can tone it down a little bit on the drama, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, that God you're too, to, like right here, this is me. Um, did you hear that I got the sodas in the back, right? Get some of those animals. Three times, God tells them to go down and eat. Three times. Peter has a way of like denying God like three times in series of threes. It's kind of, kind of an issue, right? But God itself is saying what you deemed unclean, what you deemed um, excluded, right? I am saying it all belongs. And Peter, right, this is not just something he made up. This isn't just something like, hey, do you guys know I'm gluten-free? And that's not really going to work for me. i got to work tomorrow, right? This is something for generations and generations in their Hebrew Bible said, this is unholy. This sets you apart. This it means you're unclean. To me, unclean means you are not in right relationship with God. <laughs> right? This is not just like, I don't really feel this. This is ingrained into not just what they believe, of how they function as a culture, as a people, now God is all of a sudden saying, yeah, yeah, by the way, what you deemed holy, what you deemed sacred, what you deemed right, now has evolved, and I am now this radical inclusive, this radical including, this belonging has moved. And this is what Jesus did, right? He said over and over again, you've heard it said, but now I say, right? So what does Peter do? Peter, these guys show up, he goes to their house, and he's about to walk in, and he has this conversation with the, the owner of this house, And they have this mystic experience. They knew he had this vision from God. And Peter also begins to talk about the Christ. And all of a sudden, people in um, the New Testament, when people have this experience, what we call the kingdom of God, uh, some people would begin to speak in tongues. And all of a sudden, they're like speaking different languages. And Peter is watching all this happening. And he says, clearly, this is God. Clearly, this is God. And it's not like, like, I imagine Peter wasn't walking in all confident, like, here we go. Why? Because five chapters before this, Acts chapter five, Peter asks this one guy, he goes, hey, do you have that money you said you had? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then all of a sudden, boom, dies. <laughs> According to this story, God kills, all right? God kills this person for lying, for breaking this, the, what was meant to be holy and sacred. As they're dragging that body out, his partner walks in and Peter's like, hey, What about the money? She's like, what money? Boom! She dies. And Peter goes on this rant of what does it mean to be holy? (laughs) You imagine Peter walking into that house, even by walking in to where that table is, was already he was going against. You imagine walking into that house and he feels heart pounding. (laughs) He's like, I wish it would have been a little bit nicer. (laughs) I love that story. Right? Because what Peter, what Peter is doing, Peter's saying there was a way of how we divided. There was a way where there was us versus them. There was a way of where there was Christian music and secular music. And Peter's just now saying like, uh, yeah, now it's just music. (laughs) Right? And he says uh, at the end of uh, chapter 10, he looks around. He goes, surely no one's going to contest that we should baptize them in water. Why is he saying that? Because he's pointing to the lived experience of all these people who were once out, who were once deemed less than, who were, dumps, who were once excluded. And he sees the fruit of their lives. He sees what's happening. And he goes, this is what we get to affirm. This is what we get to say is sacred and holy. And we get to be in participation with this. We actively get to do it. But if Peter would have stuck with what he knew to be true before, saying, no, no, those people don't count. Those thoughts those ways of being, those are less than. See, if we're in relation with not just each other in, with the story and looking at the fruit of their lives, but also with the divine. If the Christ is the center of all things, God's going to be inviting us to see new things, to experience new things, to, to, to hear new things. But if we're not, if we just stay in our own little bubble, we stay in our own little circles, we will miss out on the beauty of what the divine is doing. And I believe that we can be this kind of community. To include is to be messy. Even in Romans chapter four, I'm going way too quick. So you can go back and read this. Romans 14, 15, there's two different groups of people. And one group was coming back into Rome who was exiled and they're coming into what we call the church. And the church had two different ways of viewing. One was something more established. Other one was this more new ways of thinking. And what Paul is writing this letter to is he's making the big culture war called meat. I know, hot and heavy, right? And what the meat wasn't just like, again, it wasn't like, well, I'm on a keto diet, so is the meat deep fried? I don't know if I can do that. To, to one group, the meat that was sacrificed to, to this idol at, at this altar, they said, hey, we have a way of being. Leviticus says this, Noah says this. And they were deeply afraid that there might even be spirits that would be coming into them, depending on how it was prepared, all these different rules and these laws. And again, it, it wasn't just a preference. It was something that felt unholy. And they looked at the other people who said, hey, there's this meat. Let's go feed the people. This is what Christians do. This is what the Christ does. Why let this meat go to waste? And it became a toxic issue. Imagine something in a spiritual community or one group says this belongs, and another group says, no, it doesn't. And what Paul says, you go go and read it, 1415. This is where the, the famous quote of the don't um, be a stumbling block, block, which people take out of context all the time. What Peter or Paul is saying is this. You can have your views about your meat and your drink. You can have your views about what Sabbath means. He goes, That's fine. But anytime you choose a policy, Anytime you choose even a theology that puts it over a person, you miss the plot. You miss the plot. I mean, think about it. The, the parable of the Good Samaritan, it is a parable where Jesus never wants anything about God. There's nothing in there about Praying or in relation with God, it is that there is this guy who is excluded, who is an outsider, and he saw someone who is different than him, and he went over his policies, went over his 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 culture, even, even over his theology, and went and met the person and moved in love. Why? Because that's what sacred people do. That's what humans do. So when we can take a step back and we can begin to see, I can have my values, I can have my ideals, I can have my truths. And I can also trust. We might be at different starting points. We might be at different vantage points, and we can still say what's at the center is love. And it can be messy. It can be complicated, right? Because if we only go off what what, what our lived experiences, if we only go off of what was been handed down to us as this is what it means to be included, this is what truth looks like, this is what it, then we're gonna miss on the the beauty. I mean. We became neighborhood. Um, the way that we practice inclusion was that the LGBT community is a beautiful, thriving, flourishing community, and it, no different than a heterosexual couple or a, a queer couple, right? But in the same way, of you're included if you cho- like, we talked about you, if you choose not to have kids, you are you are included if you're aromantic, and everyone's like, oh, you got to get a partner. It's gonna be so good. And They're like, that's just. Not my lived experience. It could be that you could be a card-carrying conservative or you could be some um, loony liberal and we could say, you can belong. You can be pro-life. You can be pro-choice. And other spiritual communities, especially that one, it's this dividing line of like, tell me, like, we're going to size each other up of where we're at. And instead of seeing the person, believing the person, learning from the person. <laughs> what this doesn't mean, I, 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 it's somewhat... Whatever, I have to say it, right? This does not mean we can do whatever we want, right? Some people, when I talk about this, they're like, oh, so you're gonna let uh, pedophiles in because you're gonna believe the person and everyone is included. No, no, that's not that's not how it works. Anytime that someone else dehumanizes another person, anyone takes advantage of the vulnerable, right? We see this all throughout the Bible, right? Anytime that that, that happens, that is what I deem evil, right? So yes, we're going to choose to uh, keep the vulnerable kids who don't get to make those decisions, right? Who, who you can use your power and influence over. You have to pass a background check. If you have a sexual assault, you're not going to be able to serve and hang out with the kids. It also, in the same way if some big important businessman walks in and starts uh, throwing money or throwing power on like, look at me, I'm a big important businessman, man, and using anger and the way they treat their partner or their kids and like strip the humanity from them or shame or mock them, like, yeah, that's, that's not going to fly either. But where we start, right? Where we start is by hearing this story. What we start is in relationship with all things. Is it messy? Yeah. But I honestly believe in this kind of community of where we, where we can believe in one another, And the reason why is I think, I know there's a lot of other people like me in seventh grade out there who already feel they're excluded, who when they think about a spiritual community, they think about finding friends, they think about finding community, they think about uh, feeling like they could be caught up in the mysticism of what it means to worship and engage with God, right? The first thing they might think is, church isn't for me. Why? Because I'm trans or I'm gender nonconforming because of the way I vote, because of the way of how much money I don't have because I don't know everyone. I didn't graduate school in 1999 from Carleton, so I'm already excluded. There's multiple ways that we exclude, people feel excluded before we even walk in the door. Like, I believe at Neighborhood Church that we can be a community that we can believe, we can empower, we can inspire. And it takes work, and I'm willing to do that work. So, I'm gonna pray, and here's my invitation. As I pray, How you connect or how you, what you're feeling. I feel like there's multiple things. The the first is this. You feel deeply inspired to be a part of this work. You feel like I want to be inclusive. I want to include, but I don't know where to start. And to include means I want to (laughs) be a part of liberation. I want to be a part of um, uh, restoring things. You just don't know where to start. Maybe you fall in that group of like, I can't speak against this movement or this movement because I see what happens, so I choose to do nothing. When you choose, not to take a side. When you actually have the option not to choose, that's privilege, right? You can can identify and see how the consequences are. There's a lot of people who don't get that choice, right? They don't get that choice. There is some things of where you feel you need to be vocal on to include. I'm I'm gonna pray for you. Send group is this. That you have been excluded. You have been excluded. Maybe by this church. Maybe by me. Maybe by your family. Maybe your family system. Maybe at work. Whatever it is, you feel the the pain of what it means to be excluded. And it hurts. And it goes deep. To feel like you belong to something and all of a sudden you found out you didn't. Pray for you. The third one is this. You feel that tension. Right? You feel that tension. I've talked with lots of people like, Chris, I love this church, I love this community, but when you talk about this, when you talk about these things, I don't know if there's a place for me. This is not me trying to talk people into, like one thing I honestly believe about the church, as you evolve, as you grow, there's so many different expressions of what it means to be a spiritual person. If that's another church, if that's the woods, if that's going for a swim or going for a run, as you evolve, you're gonna find different places to connect, to grow, to learn and belong, right? But what I'm trying to say is, Wherever you are, humanist, agnostic, like you speak in tongues, right? You like just have this deep love for the Bible, right? If you, if you support, um, you have friends or family who are in law enforcement and there's people who actively support Black Lives Matter, like there is room for all of us and it's messy. And you feel that tension, you just don't know what to do. I'm going to pray for you as well. Let's pray. So God, we, we love you. I thank you for the way that even though we've called you a liar, we've called you a thief, we've called you unfair, we've called you distant, we've called you dead, that you still, you still include, that you still extend love, you still extend mercy and grace. And I ask that we, too, can move in the similar fashion, similar energy. That we will take a place of radical inclusion, even when it costs us something, even when it's messy. I pray you'll give us wisdom of how to include, of how to have those conversations, of where to go, of where to even start that we won't choose just to be silent, we won't choose just to to stay back, but God, whatever that might look like for an individual that we'll move and behave in that. I pray for my friends who have been excluded. I pray for my friends who have had those traumatic experiences in a spiritual community, who have been excluded by family, who have been excluded by friends. Maybe being been excluded by this community. I ask for grace. I also ask for wisdom. And You'd give them wisdom of how to move and how to engage and where to go. I pray for my friends who, who, who feel that tension. If we're going to be an inclusive community, whatever that issue is, they feel that tension of what does it look like to belong? What does it look like to, to actually be a part of a community that at times feels like I'm put in the spotlight? God, I ask that you come and you remind remind us to do the work, to do the sacred work of belonging, being at the table where love is at the center. God, I thank you for the work that you've done in us and through us and that we can continue to be a people, not just a a church that meets in building, but a people in our neighborhoods and our towns and our cities that we get to bring love and inclusion and belonging everywhere we go. Amen. So, Friends, thank you for spending this day with me. Uh, Carrie, glad that you are watching with us. And Lindsay, thank you for hopping on. Uh, If there's anything I can do to help, if you'd like to process and talk about, well, you brought up this, Chris, now that you brought this up, can we talk about that? I've heard you say this often. You can DM me or contact me. All my information is on neighborhoodchurchmn.org. And I'd love to talk through and dialogue about what does it mean to belong to neighborhood when we say these things, we hold these things, and it, is it as nuanced? Can we really hold multiple truths at once? I believe we can, and we can really we can do it together. So, have a great rest of your Sunday, and I hope you enjoy your time. Offered goodbye.